Well, I count it a privilege to be converted and sanctified. Uh, about that song, I know it's, we had to, because that was the way it was written, but we sing it, I'm living ready to leave this world. Not getting ready, but we're living ready day by day. That whenever he comes to call us home, to take us out of this temporal shell that our spirits are resting in, or, or living in now, that we're living ready. We're living not, ready. We're not we waiting for some ready. future occurrence. We don't have to get ready. Amen. We're in the present state now, and it's a wonderful salvation that we have. Amen. How do you narrow it down? All the scriptures that I've been reading this summer, uh, how do you narrow it down to what you want to get across in just a short time? The Bible is so rich, and it is a wonderful heritage and a miracle how I came to be as close to it as I am through, through the lines of my family. And I thought about that verse. hope I still have it marked. Maybe I can quote it. In the 16th chapter of Psalm, you'll probably know where I'm going with this. The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance, and of my cup thou maintainest my lot. The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places, yea, I have a goodly heritage. And truly it is that. Bless the Lord. Amen. The spiritual inheritance that we have is, is, is to every man. God made it available to every man. And I know it's not just people in our church that have it available, but I feel like I'm a little closer to it because I feel like, just like someone, someone said yesterday, it's taken me several years to, to read the Bible cover to cover. Uh, I've tried to be as objective about it as I possibly could, but I feel like the doctrine of conversion and sanctification is what God planned out. I just don't see it any other way. And I, I didn't try to look at it and, 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 and be one-sided about it. I try to be objective about it. Sanctification is all through the Bible. And it's a wonderful heritage that we have, that we know it and are able to, to live it the way that we do. Um, in front of our fellow man, I only wish that that I was uh, that the Lord would give me the the ability to to carry it to a lost and dying world to the people that I come in contact with Amen. that there is a far better way to live than to live in sin. Amen. I'm still thinking about something from I guess months ago. I, I've been reading a lot of or or, or looking at a lot of uh, architectural books, I guess, for lack of, of a better word, and and. I guess local folks were probably wondering, well, how, how he's going to work that in. Well, you know, I, I'm, I'm sorry, but it's just, just, it's a fascination I have with things that get built. And, you know, when it encompasses more than just, just the design and the construction, but it's history. Uh, you know, a history of a certain building or something. And that just fascinates me. But the, what I've been reading about is, has been the houses the, or mansions, I guess, of, uh, of the Gilded Age that Mark Twain penned, uh, you know, there was just an, uh, just an abounding wealth in this country the start of the 20th century, the industrial age through oil, steel, railroads. Uh, it just, it just, it just was un unbelievable the amount of wealth that was created in this country at that time. And the nouveau riche of, of the United of, of America, they sought to take that wealth and to build fine homes that were uh, you know, that were equivalent to some of the castles of Europe. They and their, their architects went on what was called the Grand Tour of Europe to find inspiration, uh, furnishings, and objets d'art that, you know, that they would put in their 
their palace. And it, and it just absolutely amazed me in reading the stories of, of, of these homes in, in Newport, Long Island's Gold Coast, Palm Beach, other areas around the country that, that it's just in Asheville, that's right. It's unbelievable the amount of time, effort, and money that was poured into these homes. It took them several years, I guess, to even work up a design of a house uh, to take their tour of Europe and then let alone build it. And as I, as I began reading about some of, these, some of these homes, a lot of times the owners didn't live to see the, the completed product. And in other times, their children didn't want to have anything to do with them. And either through circumstances of that nature or through the institution of the income tax and of course the beginning of the Great Depression, um, those homes were sold off, sadly. They, many of them have become museums, and some of them have been torn down. And if you don't carry away anything, parents that aren't serving God, I want you to carry this one thing away from, from my sermon. You can forget everything else, but remember this. You're not just rejecting God for yourself. You have no idea who, you're for, you're, who is going to come behind you that may see the example that you set. Well, I don't need God in my life. And then years go by and they become reckless. Um, and, and that inheritance that you had is destroyed. And I guess that's what the Lord, I hadn't read this in several years. But the Lord just made me think about this. And in all the scripture that I've tried to read this week, this has always come back to me. In the first, first Kings, the 21st chapter. And it came to pass after these things, things that I, I, don't, I don't, in the 20th chapter, that Naboth the Jezreelite had a vineyard, which was in Jezreel, hard by the, near by the palace of King Ahab of Samaria. He was, he was also king of Israel at that time. And Ahab spake unto Naboth, saying, Give me thy vineyard, that I may have it for a garden of herbs, because it is near unto my house. And I will give thee for it a better vineyard than it, or if it seem good to thee, I will give thee the worth of it in money. And Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid it me that I should give the inheritance of my fathers unto thee. And as I read that, I thought about that. The inheritance that I have as a sanctified person, the Lord forbid it to give it, to, forbid me to give it to thee for an inheritance of my fathers. And as you read that second verse, who does that sound like? That sounds like Satan. You know, he's, he's really the wicked stepchild. That even though he can't have the inheritance, he's going to do everything he can to make sure that you can't get yours. And I thought about that. And the only way he can do it is through deceit. There are so many, that's the only, he's the father of lies and the truth isn't in him. And I've been thinking about this. This ties in with what I've been thinking about. How deceitful the devil is that he will use any mode of deceit that he can to make sure that you head for those doors instead of considering where you are with God and allowing you to take and to claim the inheritance that God has made available to you. And one of the things that I thought about is the line that said, people say, well, I don't feel like God is calling me right now. And I've read the Bible and I've studied that. That is not scriptural. The Bible says God stands all the day long calling. 
if he, if he talked in the, in the parable of the 90 and 9 sheep, that he'll leave the 99 sheep and leave the one lost one, well, I guess I'll go back to the 90. There's, I can't find it here and take some time off. God doesn't do like that. Do you realize that there are radio waves floating all through this building? All over this campground, we can't see, we can't hear unless we have the proper receiver. And you can say, well, you're just appealing to my emotion. No, I'm just trying to help you get your station set on the right frequency that you can hear God calling you. Because that is not scriptural. God is calling you. To say that God is not calling me says three things, and I hope I can remember them. The first, the first that I wrote down is that, is that well, God doesn't care about me right now. That's not true. You're his creation. Amen. That's like me saying of my children, I'm going to let my children go down the wrong road for as long as I can, and hopefully there'll be time for them to turn around and make a correction. God doesn't care. God is not like that. We are the pinnacle of his creation. Everything that people, people talk about, outer space, and that fascinates me, the romance of space. Um, you know, things on this earth... That God has created, but mankind is the pinnacle of that creation. We were made in His own likeness. We were born to serve the Lord. Nothing. What, is, what does that verse say? For this is the whole duty of man. Nothing else. And you, you find in, in, a similar, in, in a similar light, uh, like I said, space has always fascinated me from a child. But the fascination that I have is so different from the people um, that send rockets out there that they're looking for extraterrestrial beings out there. You know, there it, it amazes me the amount of money and manpower that people spend on there just for that one thing. And that is so symbolic of people in sin. They'll go out and go out and try to seek things and seek things and seek after things. And, and it's true of the people that send, you know, the, the robots on Mars or whatever. The more they discover, the more they realize they don't know. So what do they have to keep going? They have to keep going out further and further and further. And then they realize there's not enough time to get back. They're, well, the rockets, they'll never be able to make it back. But you pray that as people go out in the world and they try to seek things that satisfy, they'll have time to come back. Let's see, what was the other thing? Oh, I, 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 knew, I knew I would forget them. But that, that is, that's the biggest one, that God doesn't care about me. Oh, the other thing, well, the other thing, and it dovetails with the third one, is that God is going to give me life. You know, God will always give me a chance. But in saying that, Satan has got you exactly where he wants you. That there will always be time for me to get back, that God has given me life. I was talking to a friend of mine. Some, someone in the news had died, or someone that we had with... A young person, and I, I told him, I said, I said it would scare people to realize how thin the veil is between this part of life and the next part of life. And when somebody in the news dies, oh, he was so young. It was so untimely. Nobody is promised tomorrow. No one, no one is promised tomorrow. We have today, that's the only amount of, spirit, of currency that we have to spend time-wise, so it makes sense to use it wisely. And it, we know how the story of, about Naboth ends. He wouldn't give the king his vineyard, so, the, so Jezebel had to cook up some ruse to trick the king you know, into signing a decree. So Naboth was stoned to death. But he did not give up that vineyard. No matter what the devil's... And, I, and I'm not talking to just people that aren't sanctified. I'm talking about to myself. People that are sanctified that, that may be going through a trial. 
That's your birthright. That's your inheritance. Hang on to it. Don't give it up. Because there's another story in the Bible that I was reminded of where somebody did sell it. Well, I, I, in the 25th chapter, it's, it's, a, it's a long story. I won't, read about, I won't read it, but Paul encapsulates it better than I ever could in the 12th chapter of Hebrews. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. Oh, he was so hungry. He was so faint. You know, and he, he, he was deceived. He was deceived and he felt like, oh, well, I'll sell my birthright to my, to my brother for this, for this morsel of meat. But in the end, he realized how precious it was. Don't let time get away from you and start filling your life with other things that you think are of value. And then one day when you wake up and realize all that, all that other stuff, as the Bible calls it, that you had filled your life up with is so hard to get rid of. Go ahead and do it now before you start stockpiling all those things of the world that have no business in a, in a spiritual inheritance in your life. Stop now and consider your life here on earth. Has been writing your record. Has been since your birth. The more you stockpile, the more the devil is going to trick you and make you think that that has value to you and that when you decide to turn around and serve God, you can just get rid of it. But it's not that easy as Esau found out. When his father was, when his father was, when there was a famine in the land and his father went off, and I, I don't know, it doesn't say, but I would assume that in that famine he lost much of what was bestowed onto him by Abraham. But the Bible says that he built it a hundredfold. So I guess what maybe, what maybe uh, Esau thought didn't amount to very much it really did. And in the end, when he missed out on that blessing, he realized what it was. And Paul continues, For ye know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Don't let the devil carry you. See, that's another one of his tricks. He'll carry you so far out and so far out and so much time in your life will have passed. God can't forgive you. You've just gone and done too much. There's no way that God will forgive you. Let me tell you something. When you see these little children down here that have that seem so innocent anyway, their righteousness is as filthy rags compared to God anyway. Don't let the devil deceive you that God can't forgive you and put your Holy Spirit. He's not going to call you down to the altar only to have you just pushed away, you know, that he's decided to give the birthright to somebody else or that inheritance to somebody else. Claim what is yours. Don't let the devil cheat you and deceive you of that. Because when you think about our inheritance that we have, how precious it is and how valuable it is, people say, well, Christianity is just a crutch for weak people. And I think about that. A crutch, I've said this before at home, a crutch, a crutch is for somebody that still has some measure of their own strength left. I don't even have that. The Lord is my all in all. If, if I get up here, and I am, I'm nervous, but if I let that go to the wayside and I rely on God for that, He is my all in all, and His strength is made perfect in my weakness. That you think about, think about that, it's not, it's not a crutch. 
they're just using, and I've thought about this, they're just using the wrong exchange rate between the two currencies. You can't consider, it's just like I, I, read, I read the dollar hit a new low a couple weeks ago or so with the euro. I mean, currency values change all the time. Countries that currency traders think have a better economic outlook, a better, uh, a better uh, debt picture or, or whatever, you know, they'll start buying that country's currency up and the currency they, that they sell off with, that currency will go down. Well, I can stand here this morning as a sanctified person telling you that every day the value of this world's currency goes down and the value of, of the spiritual currency continues to go up. When I saw Caroline, when I saw Caroline shouting with girls her own age the other morning, that was something that I didn't expect. If I hadn't been sanctified, I would have missed on that. It's just yep. like, I don't know how people get my, my fax number, you know, when you, you get this fax that says, buy this stock before it goes to $3,000 a share, you know, on, on an adjusted, adjusted basis. You know, if, if you miss out on that, you've missed all that gain. And it's just like somebody that sits by and waits and waits. You can never recapture time. Time is the only currency that is standard with all of us. We all have 24 hours in a day. And when you serve God and you, and you come to Him, regardless of how old you are, you're going to miss all those blessings back, back from the days before. You're going to miss the people that you could have witnessed to. And I'll just go ahead and say this. The people that, those of you that aren't sanctified, those people in the world that you think are friends, let me tell you something. You've gone and left something so precious. If those people, I, I guarantee you most of them are probably in that situation, not where people love them, people care for them like this situation. I guarantee you if they knew what you had left to go be out there, they'd smack you around a couple times and say, go back to those people that love you. You left that for this? Go back to those people that love me and take me with you. You know? They just, it's just, it's just amazing to me that people have no idea of the value. But here again, they're using one currency and, and their, their exchange rates are constantly changing. But the value of the spiritual currency, it escalated so much. I can't tell you, when I saw those children shouting, you can't put a value on it because it's constantly changing. But the value that we have... How should we escape if we neglect so great salvation? You know, some people read that and they say, so great a salvation. There's no A before the salvation. It's the only salvation. If we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard Him. In other words, as the Bible, as it says, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification. God could have, I guess, not really, He couldn't have. But, you know, if you want to play fairy tale, you know, the Lord, you know, and the Lord could have given His Spirit to people, but not really. God can't be, He has to be separated from sin. Right. He can't associate with sin. That's right. But from the beginning, God has chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief in the truth. I can't believe I remembered that. The Lord gave that to me right then. That I would, that I would be able to say that and the Lord would fill my mouth with things to encourage. I can't exhort. I don't feel like that's my place. But if I can encourage someone who is weak, someone who has given up, and the saints to go on and to receive the press to press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling. Did I get that right too? Yes. Wow. 
I'm telling you, you trust in God the things that you think you can't do, you trust the Lord and He'll fill your mouth. Just like Moses. Who made man's mouth? But to have that treasure and for the Lord to give that to you through salvation, when you realize what that is, and you can only understand that value when the Lord puts His Spirit in you because you're not seeing it with the right eyes. As, Mitch, as Brother Mitch preached in Greensboro, you, you, when you put on your spiritual eyes, things, things are totally they're unclear. You don't have the proper perspective. But when you gain that perspective and the salvation that the Lord promised to you from the beginning... That's what God had to do. He didn't, as Brother Leon said years ago, it wasn't a step that, that he made that, you know, that I might step down from this stand. It was a long step that he stepped down from his place, from the Lord stepped down from his place in heaven to give us this salvation. If I can find my verse here. What is man that thou art mindful of him? You, you, you have the value. Of, of our, we can't put a value on it, and we sing a song that says, Bought with a price of a value yet untold. If it was something that was so cheap, we wouldn't treasure it like we do. But because it was bought with a price that we can't even value, right. what God has given to us is inestimable in its content, and we. We only scratched the surface. When I read the Bible all the way through, we've only scratched the surface to it. But it gives us a little bit of our inheritance here and the rest in life eternal that we can't comprehend what it will do for a person. If you've got problems in your life and you don't have your spiritual glasses on, you can't see how the Lord is going to take you through. As people have read this week, about the children of Israel standing there, staring at that Red Sea. No way their earthly eyes could have seen the salvation and the way that the Lord would bring them through that. Just as we today, we may not have problems in our life that big, but the problems that we have, if the God that created the heavens and the earth, He can solve any problem that we, ha that we have to make sure that we just stand still and know that He is God. What is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visitest him? Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Thou crownest him with glory and honor, and didst set him over the works of thy hands. He's, we're the pinnacle of his creation, but we have a flaw in our nature that we inherited from Adam. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him. Because we don't have our spiritual spiritual glasses on. Our spiritual vision is, is, is... But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. I wish I could find the scripture where it talks about where it talks about that way was so contrary. It just didn't make sense that someone so holy and so powerful would step down and come into the world the way that he did to redeem sinful man. But that was all part of God's plan that he did that to redeem us. And when he creates us anew, he didn't create somebody that's a hybrid, that serves 
that serves in, in, a, in a fleshly sense and a spiritual sense. We don't have, as, as Gary mentioned, we don't have two masters in the, in the financial sense, but in a spiritual sense, we don't have two masters. Either we love one and hate the other, or we cling to one and despise the other. And it just that's that's just the way just like that the hybrid cars you know where they have a battery and they have gas well they use the battery to get started and they have you know fuel uh, liquid fuel to finish it up that's not the way our spiritual being is we can't we're not like that when god creates us we're a new creature in christ we have the mind of Christ and we're renewed day by day through His Spirit. And that was the only way that He could give us that spiritual inheritance. For it became Him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. And in doing so, we're made heirs. We're made heirs of an inheritance that was contrary to our nature, that we weren't able to partake of until that happened. And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Not just, not just broke, but we were subject to bondage as well. I mean, we were in a, in a feudal, a spiritual feudal system, if you want to look at it that way, where we had no way out. If an attorney were to call any one of us or, and say, uh, you know, you had a long lost cousin that you had no idea of, he's died, and you were in his will. But to claim this inheritance, and it's a great sum of money, I might add, but to claim this inheritance, there are a few little conditions that uh, you have to live up to. There isn't a one of us today, not a one of us, that would do our best to make sure that we claimed what was rightfully ours. How is that any different in a spiritual sense? Why is that any less silly than somebody, well, I stand to claim a great deal of money or a treasure beyond all compare, but you know what? I'm not going to claim it. I'm not going to claim it. I'm not going to inquire about the conditions. I'm just not going to do that. It's the same way in a spiritual way. The way is passable. Let me, I'm finishing up here. As Christ is talking to the disciples right before he's arrested, in the 17th chapter of St. John, just to give you a little idea of the value of the inheritance that we have and the price that was paid that we could partake of it and have it and claim it today, not wait for some future event to happen. Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy Son that thy Son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh. We're, give, we're made heirs of a different kind of inheritance. Not the inheritance of that corruptible seed. Howbeit that, 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 was, was that which is first is natural. Because that was the inheritance that we received initially. That he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal that they might know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent.
I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. How much glory do you think there was there? There wasn't any sin in the world. There was nothing but the power and presence and holiness of God. And you skip on down to the end of the chapter. That they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee. That they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them. That they may be one even as we are one. I in them and thou in me. That they may be made perfect in one. And that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Father, I will that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am. Just like what he said, that I receive you where uh, receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. But that's not talking about a natural inheritance. That's talking about a spiritual inheritance that in our heart, as Gary, as Gary said, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through and steal for where your treasure is there will your heart be also I don't have to wait to heaven to receive part of my treasure my treasure is right here as Christ I'm, I'm, I, I, I better stop there but Christ told them for the kingdom of, of God cometh not with observation but lo the kingdom of God is within you each of us possess the ability today to inherit that kingdom and the treasure that is contained with us we're, we're, we were children of bondage but now we're the free and we have an inheritance incorruptible in Christ Jesus and I'm thankful that the Lord has given that to me. I feasted on it all summer long as I read about those as I read about those houses and how many of them have been destroyed their inheritors had no desire for them and it is so sad but sat, but, but even the greater tragedy would be the people that have the ability to inherit God's spirit through sal salvation, through sanctification, that would reject that and push it away and leave their, their, that would leave their ancestors out. Do you, I wanted to find this scripture and I'll just close with this. Do you realize that when the children of Israel went away into bondage and then they were allowed to return, I forget how many it was, but there were, but there were so many, it was a decimal of those people they believe and they knew nothing about it. Don't go away and leave your inheritance. You may value it as nothing today with the, with the world's currency, but when you get older that that the thought that you would that you would re realize the value of the birthright that you cast away, just like Esau did. Step up and claim it. Don't let the devil deceive you. I can't say that often enough because it is the greatest treasure, uh, as the song says, for I found a richer treasure, one that fadeth not away. And the blessings that you receive, as you are able, if you were able to see a trend line of the value that you have of, your of this treasure in our earthen vessel, as you see that go up, Amen. Don't let it take any dips. 
Don't let it do like when the stock market crashed in 1929. You know, how much money was lost. People realized they, they saw their fortune going down and some people chose to end it all. They, re they thought, this is the end. There's no reason to live and they ended it. Or rather sing when you get to the end of your way. The last verse of, of all the way my Savior leads me, when my spirit clothed immortal makes its flight to realms of day, this my song through endless ages, Jesus led me all the way. Not part of the way, not most of the way, but all the way. If God is your co-pilot, you need to switch seats. Y'all pray for me that I will continue to, to want to study God's Word and to grow in Him and to never stop growing, never stop craving that Word in my life Amen. that I will always seek His Spirit because as I've said over and over again, if you haven't been tried, if you haven't been tested, that day is coming and you've got to stockpile those blessings up against the day of the devil. The devil would deceive the very elect if possible. And I'm thankful for that blessing that I have this morning. I counted a, a, a rich treasure and the Lord will only continue to add as long. It's so conditional. Those verses are so conditional. You don't get it and you're not able to lose it. You get it and you read some of those verses. I don't in the third chapter of Hebrews, there's if, if, if. It's conditional. And we need to hold it like the most valuable gift that that, that we've ever been given on Christmas morning. Amen. We need to treasure it like like we would a physical treasure. You wouldn't leave something open where some derelict could come pick it up and take it away from you. We need to treat this the same way. And I just ask that everyone out of there take account of your spiritual situation. And if you find that you're bankrupt. In the spirit, and that you're you're living a life of servitude in a spiritual feudal system, that you would look to God and say, "God, get me out of this state." I, I've, I've said enough, but I, I thank thank you for this, this opportunity that was given to me, and I pray that I've encouraged someone to continue to pressing on toward that mark. Y'all pray for me.